Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Spring Branch, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. It's relatively easy to feel overwhelmed with the trials and complications we face daily. Thank you, Jesus, for your living word, full of infinite wisdom and knowledge. Join us as we go through a sermon series in the book of Proverbs called Skillful Living. Good morning. Well, wait, I was supposed, me and Icky had this talk, so I apologize for my late walk up. It was supposed to be the reggae music from last time, and uh, I guess he forgot. Um, I'm usually dreaded, but I shaved it all off this morning, um, and I guess he took the music off as well. I want to say a couple things before I begin, and I pray that I, uh, this is a new introduction for me. And I wanted to say, um, as I have now started this new journey at Dallas Theological Seminary as the dean of the Houston campus, I want to say I am happy to meet you in a new facet. But Dr. Yarbrough made sure to mention, the president of DTS, how well and how amazing of a time he had with the story of Scripture here with you. He continually speaks highly of Bayou City Fellowship and his experience here at at the campus here in Houston in Spring Branch. I wanted to make sure I said that so I don't get fired in my first week, uh, first month on the job. So I have done my job. Now it's time for me to do my other job, which is to hopefully lead you in the Word of God. It started out as a pulpit swap, and uh, now it is a twofold kind of thing. Me and Icky, I thank God for him as a big brother in the faith, and I really mean that. There's a lot of people in my life that I've been blessed with, and uh, Pastor Soma, Icky Soma, has been a big brother to me in my journey to where I am today as the man of God I hope to become, and I'm thankful for that as well. So Bayou City... Welcome. I, I recognize I'm overdressed. Um, like, I really regretted, like, the moment I walked in, I was like, why am I wearing a jacket? This is tough. All right. So since we got over these three facts, it's now time to get to the biggest fact of the matter, which is the Word of God. Now, it is my job to be on time. And as you could tell by the, the melanin in my skin, we have a tendency to be a little longer. Um, That will not happen today, so you can put all your anxious fears away. You will be at your brunch spot in no time. Let us pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to dive into your word. God, it is only my job to be a transparent so that people can see the beauty and the glory of who you are. I am nothing but a vessel Hopefully, the words have been written on my heart so that not only am I convicted first, but I only get to present your glory. God, I know that I am nothing in comparison to who you are, but for some reason, you consistently give me the privilege to be in your service. So outside of myself, I pray for the hearts of your people, that their hearts will be tender, ready for seeds to be thrown in, but not just to be thrown for the sake of seeds being present, but for the sake of growth that multiplies and mobilizes your gospel. I pray for people when they leave here, they leave different than when they came in. That families change, hearts change, interpersonal relationships change in how we handle ourselves with others and how we handle ourselves with you. God, I am truly grateful and humbled to be here, and I'm thankful for the opportunity for us to be in your service 
and to be in your presence. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to take you to a foreign book called Habakkuk. And nobody really goes there unless you're just reading through the Minor Prophets. So therefore, I'm going to give you time to turn there or go on your phones and pull it while I start this story. Um, I um, have different experiences when it comes to rain. I don't know how many of us enjoy rain. I hope that many of us enjoy it now. Why? Because we don't have it. Um, So we'll talk about that drought later. But rain to me is soothing. I don't know how many of y'all feel that way. I can sleep through a storm. I can sleep through a hurricane. I enjoy the pitter-patter on the window. No matter how soft that makes this inner thug feel, that's exactly what I feel. When I hear pitter-patter, it's like, just give me a warm blanket. I'm ready. And the problem with rain, or excuse me, the problem as me and my wife has experienced rain is that she decided to build a patio. And when we build this patio, it is now the ability to be outside in the rain without getting wet unless it's, we all know, diagonal rain, which Houston is good for. But as we sit on the patio, I had a chance to experience the rain. And when I looked out, you would, even though, as you know, in Houston, it will rain, but then there are glimpses that the sun is still above the clouds. That there is glimpses, if you look through the cracks in the clouds, you'll be able to see that the sun has not disappeared. And for you today, I want you to have this beautiful glimpse that even though some of us are going through storms in our life, our country's going through storms, even sometimes our communities, our churches are going through storms, I want you to get a glimpse in a beautiful picture as you sit in the patio that our Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Trinity, the God, is still shining above your storm. My prayer is that as you look through the clouds, because I guess the other part of the story that I hope you you grasp is we get the chance to sit in the patio that even though you're in your storm, even though you're in your rain, the rain is not hitting you. The beauty of a patio is that God has covered you so you can enjoy the storm and you can even rejoice in the storm. You can even smell the storm coming and enjoy the fact that there is going to be storms in our life. You're not afraid of it anymore. Why? Because you have a patio built over you. So I hope that you will enjoy this passage as we talk about a prophet who was in the midst of a storm. We talk about a prophet who was questioning or having a good conversation with God. He, some people even say he was going through his own lamenting and sometimes his own depression. That he was like, God, I don't understand why you would allow this international, international turmoil and you would allow this national turmoil. Why are we like this and why is this going to happen? So while you understand the historical background, I want you to catch a glimpse of the beauty of what's happening. We have the Babylonian Empire that's fixing to take over. That they're they're coming and they're taking over nations, but they're sooner or later going to take over Judah. And he knows this. And and you see the story where God is starting to map out what he's doing. He's saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to weaken this empire and weaken the Assyrian Empire. And then Babylon's going to come, but they're also going to come and take you into captivity because of the fact that you have oppressed the poor, because of the fact that y'all have been injustice, because of the fact that you have done things wrong and you consistently don't worship me well. These things are going to happen. So how in the world would Habakkuk not fear what's coming? Ladies and gentlemen, before we even dive into the first passage of Habakkuk's response to God's response, before we even get into this passage where we talk about Habakkuk 3.16, when you get there, I want you to understand that God has already spoken. And when he tells Habakkuk what's going to happen, I want you to understand the beauty of what is fixing to go on, is that God responds. God has a conversation with, even though we may not understand, 
And I want us to all get this picture. How many of us can look through our nation and say there is turmoil? How many of us can look throughout the international crisis? We have Ukraine, we have Russia, and all these things. You're like, God, what is going on? And God responds in a most God-like way. I am still in absolute control. So therefore, for everybody who's anxious today, everybody who's fearful today, who everybody's going through their own lamenting with God, for those who are struggling with your depression, I'm not saying this sermon will fix it, but what I will say is that you can be at rest today, even if you don't understand your circumstances, even if we'll never understand Ukraine, even if we'll never understand the issues of our own city, even if we'll never understand sex trafficking in our city, even if we never understand exactly what's going on, you can literally say, somehow, God is still in control. So if God can use Babylon to take over Judah and to take over the Assyrian Empire, what do you think he could do here? So what is your response is the question. What is your interaction with God? And how many of us try to handle our own issues, therefore falling slowly and slowly deeper into anxiety and depression because we can't fix only what God can control? So right here in verse 16, we get Habakkuk's response to God. We get the beauty of what, how he comes about and says in verse 16. It says, I heard and my inward parts trembled. Mm. I struggle with this, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope that you allow me to be transparent. Oftentimes, because we come to church every Sunday, many of us have the ability to read the Bible. Many of us have a chance to do audio books and devotionals and every pastor puts out a book every month. I mean, it is, you are constantly getting the word of God. And they're great and they're amazing and you can get curriculums and you can go to small groups. All those things are amazing. But I think because of the repetitious nature of us hearing from the word of God, we no longer tremble when he speaks. Because if we did, would we still have the same response that we do today? Would some of us still be anxious about controlling tomorrow if you tremble when he spoke about today? Would some of us sit in our beds and not be able to sleep if you truly believe that he's going to be the God of today, yesterday, and tomorrow? Because what I pray for is not that you tremble when I preach this sermon. What I pray for is when you hear the words of God, something inside of you starts to change. Have you ever been on a plane? There's something, two things that I've learned about being on a plane as I travel. One, the pilot, for some reason, never panics, no matter if he's driving you through turbulence. Have you ever noticed that? Because if I was a pilot, <laughs> probably for Spirit Airlines, because would, they would never give me a job. <laughs> I'm sorry, Spirit. You, horrible experience. But the pilot never panics. His voice is always calm. Even as the plane is literally going up and hitting air pockets, he's like, buckle your seatbelts. We're just in a little bit of turbulence. I'm like, no, brother, we're not. My behind just left this seat. I can feel myself floating. He's like, everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. And then all of a sudden, he's like, we're going to elevate to 1,500 feet. Just give me a second. We'll get there. And all of a sudden, you, you hear the plane and the you see us getting through the clouds and you see those little sparkles of water going across the wings. And then all of a sudden, when you look out the window, he is above that cloud and you can see the sun. 
See, my prayer for you is that when you hear the word of God speak, even if you can feel the turbulence, is that some of us will just buckle up, sit down, and enjoy the ride. Because my God is going to raise you up past your turbulence. My God is going to be the one who takes you to another level in your spiritual walk. My God is saying, hey, there's going to be 1,500 feet we have to get to, but you have to enjoy the turbulence. How many of us get to a point where when God speaks, you're willing to enjoy the turbulence you're in? How many of us enjoy the opportunity to be challenged by God and the fact that he would allow certain situations in your life? How many of us look at the incoming enemy and say, but you're still in control? How many of us are at our jobs right now, still sending emails, trying to control the situation per my last email? That's the, that's the email way of cussing somebody out. Is that some of us are sitting here typing up pages and pages of emails, just trying to fix the situation. And God is saying, when will my word make you tremble on the inside? When will it change your inward parts? If you know the, just a quick Hebrew study of it, I want you to get, it's not hard. It just means my belly is in a restless motion. Like I can't even, not, not the situation is making him restless. The word of God is. And that's where I want Bayou City to be. It's not that the situation is making you tremble. It's the word of God that makes you tremble in your bed saying, God, thank you for speaking with me. The second thing I want you to mention about God speaking is, have you noticed that even while Habakkuk questioned God, even while he kind of had an interaction with God, God is still willing to answer him? Have you, that is the beauty of this text. It's even after God is like, hey, what are you doing? Habakkuk's like, hey, what's going on? What are you going to do? And, and Habakkuk, God still has the grace to speak. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you can tell me how you feel about this. When God speaks, that is gracious. Even when many of us have chosen to question, even though he knows he's still in control. I don't know what family background you grew up in, but with me, we weren't allowed to talk back. We weren't. We weren't allowed to say, but no. We were only allowed to get the instruction and to do. We weren't allowed to say, hey, mom, afterwards, can we? No. There was no, there was no conversation. But for some reason, God hears us say, but wait, can you? Uh? And he's like, let me turn around and talk to you again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when you're at church, not because I'm here. I know Icky does an amazing job and he always do better than me because he's big brother. But when you hear the word of God, how many of us are like, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to stop discussing with God. And we'll talk about that in a second. It's time for the inward parts to change. Sometimes we're so arguing with God, wanting God to change rather than us change. We're asking God to modify his plan rather than say, God, run your plan through me. We're so much in a hmm, arrogant state of Christianity where we're telling God our plan for him to do and execute through his power rather than say, God, execute your plan through me in your power. But. The inward parts treble. And then he says, his lips quivered. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and in my place, I tremble. Oh, this is the beauty. Have you ever noticed that when people encountered God in the Old Testament, there was an inner reaction? Like Isaiah 6, 9, when he encountered God and got a chance to get a glimpse of God's word, something in him changed. He was like, well, hey, cleanse my heart, cleanse my tongue. Everybody had a cleansing moment. Everything about them was like, oh, I don't belong here. And that's the struggle with American Christianity. That's the struggle with us. That's the struggle with Pierre Kennings is that somehow we can hear the word of God and we don't have a reaction to it. 
Isaiah was like, hey, cleanse my tongue. Another prophet would say, hey, I don't deserve to be here. And Moses would say, hey, take off my shoes. There was a reaction to God's presence. But now, because we consistently have amazing worship teams that lead us into worship, we consistently have churches that make you feel comfortable, is that we don't have a reaction to the word of God anymore. And this, again, I repeat, it's not because I'm here. It's not because I deserve your reaction. It's because God deserves when his words speak to have an inward reaction because he still chooses to speak to you. It's a random thing I'll be honest about saying is that many preachers, you know, we get a chance to get people's reaction and they say a beautiful word of God. But in reality, my prayer for the church now is that, yes, have a good interaction with your pastor. Tell him that he challenged you. Amen and amen. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the pastor. That, that feeling you had that God was speaking to a direct issue in your life, I would pray that many of us would start hitting our knees and say, God, that, that moment you gave me of clarity, that moment you gave me, oh, I, I just want to hit my knees and say something has to change inside of me. Because this is the first thing that Pierre Cannings can't do. He says, because I must wait quietly. Oh, buddy. Have you ever been on an island? Everybody's tanning, enjoying, well, not me, okay? <laughs> I'm just under the umbrella. My wife's over there tanning. My wife is a Latina. She's under there enjoying the tan. My behind is just getting purpler by the second. I don't know if you know anything about African-Americans. Let me explain this for you real quick. We don't tan. We just turn in color. And then at some point, we're burnt but not like can't touch us, just disappear in the dark. My wife's over there enjoying it, but as soon as the rain comes, you see everybody starts to pack up their towels and they're, they're, they're going back to their hotel rooms. They're done. They're like, oh, I'm done for the day. They start getting their clothes, going out for dinner. No, not my wife. We're going to tough this thing out. I'm like, can we just go inside? I can't see my own hands anymore. Mm -mm. Because she knows that storms pass. You know the beauty of if you wait out a storm in the Caribbean? Because, you know, the island's only nine miles long, some of these islands. So it's going to pass over. Is that you can now move your umbrella closer to the beach. You can now move up to the seats that were taken because everybody else is packed up. My wife is just moving up. She's like taking other people's spots now. She's like, are you leaving? Okay, great. And she's moving. She's gone. I'm over here carrying eight bags. It's not fun. <laughs> because she knows that if you wait, the sun will come out again. Some of us need to learn how to wait. I wonder how many of us in our Christian faith have packed up and went back to our hotel rooms. How many of us have said, you know what, this area of my life, God, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to go back to my hotel room. In this situation in my life, okay, God, you know what? I got it. Um, you know what? I'm washing the sunscreen off. That sermon I heard last week, I'm washing that off. It ain't working. Whatever Pierre said last week, it hasn't worked. I've done it for a whole week now. I've prayed. I've, he even said, worship you. I'm doing it. But you know what? Let's wash this sunscreen off. I'm tired of sitting in your sun. You're not coming back out. But you know what Habakkuk had to say? I'm going to wait, but watch these next words, quietly. When the conversation is over, it's over. And I know this is hard for many people, especially in 
Sometimes how we raise in the comfort of God and we call God our best friend and, and Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts in the 1990s. I remember that. It was a horrible season. <laughs> but there's moments where God's authority should still reign supreme. That when he speaks earlier in the chapter, everybody should be like, you know what? I'm done talking. There's no reason for me to have a back and forth with you, God. It, it's over. Because when you speak, that is the word supreme. There, there's nothing else for me to see. See, friends dialogue, but authority at some point has to take place. So Habakkuk, after hearing from God, says, you know what? I'm going to wait quietly. You're like, well, Pierre, doesn't that contradict praying persistently? And I'm here to tell you, no, it doesn't. I'm here to tell you that you pray, but there's moments where you have to learn to be quiet. Now you're like, how? Sometimes we're praying about things God has already answered. Now I'll explain this to you. Sometimes in a marriage, we'll pray for our wives to change. And God is like, I already answered you. I'm asking you to change. The answer is you change. Because I gave you a description, husband, of what you should be. So no matter what your wife does or no matter what your husband does, your description hasn't changed. So you can pray this prayer all day, but I'm waiting on you to change. So sometimes we're praying about things that God has already told us what he wants to do. Better yet, there's sometimes that God has already answered you no, and now you're trying to change his answer into a yes by persistently praying about something he said no to or something he said wait to. In your waiting season, it is okay to be quiet because you already said it. And the last time I checked, my God is not forgetful. Isn't that crazy and amazing that God is omniscient? Meaning he doesn't forget, he knows all things. That means the prayer request you said last year, he still remembers it even though you forgot. How many of us have prayed things on New Year's we, we haven't remembered? Every New Year's, God, I'm going to change this part. You don't remember. It's January 2nd. But you know what else is cool about him saying he's going to wait? Is that he's going to wait for them to invade. Now, this is the irony. Is that people believe this was the evening before the invasion. That the Egyptians were going to be taken over by Babylon at this point. The evening before he knew they were going to come to Judah through the Egyptians. Guess what? I got to wait. It's going to happen. But now I am going to wait. Have you ever noticed that if you look in your Bibles right now, when I finish this chapter, there's nothing else in the book? Oh, some of us need to finish writing our books. Habakkuk said, I'm done. The chapter is over. And I wonder how many of us are still writing a chapter that God has already answered. We're still writing about in our journals of issue God's already answered. Hmm. Even on the evening of the worst news ever. I pray for some of us that we'll have so much faith in God. That even on the evenings of things that we know are going to go bad at work the next day. Even on the evening of your worst argument with your wife or husband. Even on the evening as you sit and sometimes your aloneness and your singleness. Even in your evenings where you're like, God, you know I want a companion and it's still not happening. Even on the evening of your depression and your anxiety and your fears. You are saying, God, but I will wait quietly on you. You know how many scriptures reference waiting quietly? Just look at Psalms 37, 9, 123, 2, 46, 10. 
But you know one of my favorites is Exodus 14, 13, and I need to speed this up. In Exodus 14, 13, we have the army coming from Egypt. They're sitting at the Red Sea, and guess what they start to do? They start to murmur and complain that they're fixing to die in the wilderness. But then you know Moses' response after talking to God? Be still and watch God. I wish more churches were saying, hey, you know what? We're going to just be still and watch God work. But you know what pastors do? We rework sermons, rework ministries, rework this, rework that. What if there's no more reworking to do and we just got to watch God work in y'all's lives? What if we're reworking churches when it was perfectly fine? We just don't know how to wait on the response. So therefore, I ask you, how many of us are reworking situations where God is saying, be still and watch me work? You know what's easy about watching somebody work? You don't have to. Have you ever been a manager? You ever seen a guy in his truck while other people do the construction work? And the truck is on, so you can see the brake lights. You'd be like, brother, you are in the air conditioning talking about, hey, hey, fix that. That's the beauty. It's that God is saying, watch me do the construction of your life while you sit in some air condition. Now, I'm not saying this is not going to feel good. What I am saying is watch me work it even if it doesn't feel good in the time being. But let let me move forward. And I'm going to blaze through this one. It says this, though the fig tree should not blossom. This is going to get escalatingly worse. That's not a word, but you're going to get it. Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the, fox, the, the flock should be cut off from the fold and there should be no cattle in the stalls. Just in this section alone, guess what he's saying? We're going to start off with figs. Nobody really needs figs. Figs are a delicacy, if you know anything about these times. So he's saying, hey, we're not going to have figs. They're going to be cut off. We're going to, the, the, with the army invading, we're going to lose the figs. You're like, that's not too bad. That's like me saying, hey, you're going to lose a little bit of the stock you invested in it, it tanked, right? You went for Apple, it tanked. But you already know you have a 403, 401, 529, you have it all. So you're like, eh, figs. Not too bad. It's going to go somewhere. And he says, then there'll be no fruit. Now, this, he said, there are no fruit on the vine. Some people believe he's referring to grapes. Therefore, we won't have any wine to drink. For those wine tasters out there, yeah, you can live without wine, maybe for a little bit. Some of us might need to check that. But yes, I've seen, I seen it at the restaurants when they, I'm not that bougie yet. I'm getting there. I've seen it. So how many of us would be like, hey, I can live without a little bit of wine. I'm okay. As long as I have coffee. That's another type of vine. Though the fields have no olive. Uh-oh. Now you can't cook without olive oil. So it's getting a little more closer to home. The breads that they make, the things that they would use olive oil for, That's getting close, but then he gets deeper. Though the flocks should be cut off from the field and there will be no cattle in the stalls. Now we can't eat. When God explained what would happen, he also explained how much damage it would do. Habakkuk is explaining what God explained and what would happen to Judah. And he's saying it's getting escalatingly worse. See, you know what I've learned about my faith? Is God can do a little bit of damage. Okay, God, that's fine. My air condition broke? Okay. You know what? I saved for this. 
Here it is, God. Thank you for the savings account. We do that all the time. But then he's like, not only is your AC broke, it's the summer. You're like, all right, God. Couldn't have done it in the winter. The winter's 70 degrees. It's still summer. I mean, it's still spring. We're good. But then it gets worse. And when God starts touching things that we think we need, this is when you have to ask whether you're going to have the response of Habakkuk or not. See, it's when it gets escalated, when it gets that worst stage, when we keep getting worse and worse and it starts touching our personal spots. So therefore, I want to stop the sermon and ask, what is your personal spot that God, that you, you hide from God because you don't want God to touch that? For me, it was when I, my daughter was born and they thought she was sick. For me, it was when they thought my wife had breast cancer. I thought God would never touch our marriage, my, our health. And I remember crying in the waiting room as I did her mammogram, questioning God. You could touch anything else, God, but not my wife. That's mine. You can't touch her health. Oh, no, no there's no way you could, they, can, they, can, they can believe that Natalia has Down syndrome. No, 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 no. That's, that, that, that's off limits. I stayed a virgin until I was married, and I started listing my resume to God. God, I don't deserve for you to touch this stuff. Touch anything else you want. And God's like, yeah, you're okay with the figs. You're even okay with olive oil. But are you okay when the cattle's not there? When your savings account is gone and you're now having to ask God to be his provider? Now when you used to be your own provision, you had your own money, now you're having to ask God where this next thing is coming from? What kind of worshiper will you be then? Churches have two responses to turmoil. One is to get closer to God and one is to run from him. I'm not sure where we are today. But then this yet word, I pray that, I pray that we enjoy this yet. This yet is I pray your response after this sermon as I conclude. Yet, verse 18, I will exalt. This is the second to last verse that he concludes what his result will be even though the invasion is coming and even though his country is still sinning. Yet I will exalt. The word exalt just means that I will show the triumph I have in God. But watch these words. I will describe the, it describes the emotion of joy in expression of singing and shouting. I, I don't know if I'm this yet. I don't know how many of you could question your hearts and say, God, am I this yet? Meaning, am I the yet I will? So today I want you to search your hearts and say, God, do I have the yet I will conviction yet? How many of us won't worship God when we have a bad week at work? And then we have worship leaders trying to get the singing and the exalting out of us. We have people begging people to sing on a Sunday because people had a stressful, busy week. But yet he's fixing to be invaded and his whole country is going to lose figs all the way to cattle. And he's saying, my result is yet I will exalt. I, I, the biggest picture I have of this is Miss Birdie. Y'all, if you ever go to Living Word, you just look for Miss Birdie. Miss Birdie is one of the most, mm, she's just that worship. She just worships. But she's also in stage 
something cancer and it's not good. And this Sunday, all I heard in the back of worship was her shouting, screaming to God, but not in anger. She was exalting God and saying, God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I'm over here with a four bedroom home, three wonderful kids that are healthy. My wife who doesn't have breast cancer, my daughter who doesn't have Down syndrome. Not that that's wrong, but God is saying, hey, I've done so much and I'm doing the professional singing. Mm, God, thank you. But you couldn't, you could hear her from a mile away. And why is it that somebody says, yet I will, even though you've stripped all my health away and I'm going through chemo radiation and I still have to wear a mask because I can't get sick and I can't get COVID. But yet you can hear her through her mask. Why? Why am I not like her? Why do churches are so silent? What happened to singing and exalting? What happened to people shouting and being okay with God? What happened with David who danced after everything worked out? Why do we have to have everything work out before we start to sing? You know, the church should be the loudest going through this period that we're in. That they should be able to contain our worship anymore. And I'm not trying to change your style of worship, ladies and gentlemen. Bayou City has an amazing style of worship. I'm not saying that you have to become living word. What I am saying is that people can't contain your joy. That we let people strip away our joy. We let jobs strip away our joy. We let people and situations steal our joy. And I'm telling you today, nothing can steal what's internal. Do you know joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? That means nobody can take away what's inside of you. But we let, we just, we disguise happiness for joy. Happiness is based on situations. Joy is based on the walking with the Holy Spirit. So nobody should be able to steal what only the Holy Spirit can give. No wife, no husband, no singleness can steal what is only given through the Holy Spirit. Walk into Bayou City in a worship I love seeing your worship leader get on her knees. She's unashamed of the worship that we can give to a God. The second reason why people in situations and circumstances steal our joy is because in the midst of the circumstances, we lose sight of who God is. We forget that he's in the boat with us and many of us are just throwing things overboard and God's like, what are you doing? I'm on the boat. I can calm storms and you should be asleep. But many of us are rolling over in our bed six times sideways. It's like, why wouldn't you go to sleep with Jesus? He's still on the boat. He's calm. How come you're not? Because if I can control Babylon, I can control Egypt, and I can control Assyria, what makes you think I can't control your life? What makes you think your life and situation was an accident? I'm going to hurry up before you get that bad version of of my church, which is long-windedness. I will rejoice. That means I will shout in exultation. I will give this exceedingly circle in joy that it is derived from the root of enthusiastic expressions of joy. So how many times is he going to repeat that I can find something? I can find joy in the midst of an invasion. 
But the one thing I loved about it, it says the circle enjoy. How many of you ever been to the grocery store with your kids? It's the worst experience ever. You're like, how can you switch from crying to cracking jokes? It happens. It's a talent. That I'm over here worried. But you know what? Because they've seen mommy and daddy stack the carts before, they're going to the grocery store asking for extra things. Asking for new cereals that just came out that they don't eat because it's horrible. <laughs> and here my dumb behind is reaching to the same cereal I know they're not going to eat. And y'all seen inflation? God bless our souls. <laughs> Remember our grocery bills used to be like 250? It's like $7,000 for one milk. You're like, $7,000? Got choices. But my kids are running around the grocery store, playing with each other. And I'm like, I'm over here. Because they know their daddy can put things in a cart. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And some of us need to be running around the grocery store, circling ourselves with joy, looking like these are all options. Even though I know I'm in the grocery store, everything in my life is going to be okay because daddy paid the bill. And if daddy paid the bill last time, sure enough, he's going to pay the bill this time. So I got news for you, and you don't want this side of Pierre. I get it. But if Jesus paid the bill last time, for the final time, for the ultimate time, what makes you think he can't pay the bill now? If he saw before time that he was going to pay the bill through Jesus Christ, who came on the cross and died for your sins, got whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails and put the crown of thorns on his head and turned it sideways and made it a fitted cap. When that happens, what makes you think he can't pay the bill at your job with your coworker that you don't like? What makes you think he can't fix and resolve and reconcile your marriage? What makes you think he can't give you comfort when you are single and alone? What makes you think he can't fix our country? What makes you think if he can't, if he paid the bill last time, some of us need to start walking around the grocery store, taking things in the cart and throwing it in there because that is a God that we serve. We need to be circling with joy. Bayou City should be filling people, circling up with joy. As I conclude, I wish I had time. He says this, the Lord God is my strength. He, is my, he has made my feet like hind's feet and he makes me walk on high places. I, if I could just had a second, if you know anything about the front feet of a deer is that they're, they're always finding footing. But if you notice while they're doing the front, their hind's feet are dug in deep on the high places. They don't move. So what he's saying is while I'm in the high places, which you got to understand, he's not in a low place, even though you would think, shouldn't he be in a low place? But he says, now that I've heard from God, I'm in a high place. And many of us, when we're going through something, we're like, God, I'm in a valley. And God's like, no, I can still put you on high places. You're not in the valley you think you are. I can put you in high places. But not only will I put you on high places, I will dig your feet into the like hinds feet. See, you are stable even when you think you're on an edge. For one second, I challenge you to catch the imagery. Some of us think our life is on the edge. We're like, God, you don't know. I'm on the, I'm on the verge. You don't understand how deep my depression and anxiety and fears are. And God's like, but yes, you may feel like your life is on the edge, but I am your hind's feet. You're not going to fall. Better yet, I wish that you would fall back and trust me. 
I'll conclude with this. The rain came. Me and my wife, like I told you, we're enjoying the rain. Well, my kids are different. They're not waiting. They're in it. They're not. You ever seen kids when it rains? Two things happen. If your kids are bougie, they go get their rain boots. If they have a little hood in them, they're just taking off their shoes, taking off their shirts. And you know those puddles that everybody thinks are disgusting on the side of the street? What are our kids doing in those? Jumping in them, splashing. Our kids go jump on the trampoline in the backyard because it's more fun, because now it's wet. They're breaking the trampoline, but that's okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my prayer is that you see the storm. But some of us need to learn how to jump in our puddles and exalt. Some of us need to learn to jump on the trampoline and have a good time because even though, yeah, the storm is present, but that shouldn't strip away your result. Yet I will. So my kids say, yet I will jump in puddles. Yet I will jump on the trampoline. Yet I will go enjoy outside. Yet I will take off my shirt, run around this backyard, and have a blast. And they even ask questions, what we all hate, but I'm fixing to say it anyways. Daddy, are you coming? <laughs> my ball-headed behind is like, oh, no. So then before I ask some of y'all today, today, are you coming? I'm Pierre Cannings is learning how to jump in puddles. Will you come with me and jump? Bayou City, I pray that you come with me today and you'll start to learn how to jump in your puddles. No, I'm not saying your storm isn't coming. What I am saying is let's jump in it together. Can I meet you on the trampoline? Will you say, God, all these burdens, I'm going to take them off. I don't need this shirt. I don't need these rain boots. I just need barefooted and some pants and I'm running out. Because I know that the storm will not last always. So ladies and gentlemen, your fears, anxieties, depressions, country issues, internal issues, church issues, they will not last always. And yet, I will exalt. Let us pray. Father, I, I pray for everyone in here. I don't know why you put this message on my heart, but I thank you for Habakkuk. I thank you for speaking with us. I thank you for giving us opportunities to realize that sometimes we have controlled our own lives to our own detriment. And now I pray that many people will surrender. They will lie still and wait on your excellency. They will lie still and wait and know that you are still God. So by your city, they've asked me to do this and I want to do it humbly. If you need prayer today, it doesn't have to be about the sermon, I believe. But it just has to do with the fact that you want somebody to lift you up in prayer. Today is your day to let some of these burdens go. Today is your day to say, God, you are in control. I want to wait patiently on you. Today, I want to exalt. So even as the praise team sings to close, my prayer is that Bayou City, they won't be able to contain your worship today. 
because you know that God is still God. And as the praise team come, a prayer team comes, excuse me, they would love to pray with you as the praise team sings and I will quietly remove myself. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Spring Branch app to find community in the body of Christ.